and welcome back to Butters on Books. This is episode two of series three. We will be doing our normal discussion on books that I've read, things that I've watched and things that I've made slash cooked. Hello again and welcome back to series three. Might have said series two in my intro. Oopsie daisies. Um, But it's episode two of series three. So welcome back to Butters on Books. I hope you're all well and that you're having a really great week. Um, Where we are in the UK at the moment, um, things have opened up a little bit more. Um, Shall I say we're quite cautiously optimistic. So I've actually been able to go see some friends on the weekend, mainly outside and outdoors going for walks. But, you know, it's I'll take what I can get. I've been alone in my house for four months. So I'm quite excited to go and see some people in the flesh which is lovely um so we will kick off uh today with some books that I have read there will be some gummit books in here I'm very sorry um I obviously had a bit of a binge while I was away um we will be talking about some of the novels that I've read as well so I'm going to start off with the Witcher comics so before the break, I had read volume one of uh, kind of a bind up of all the Witcher comics that Dark Horse had written. And I'm not sponsored by Dark Horse in any way, I've just perused their website and discovered that there were Witcher comics that I was, I mean, I, I was unaware that they were written and there isn't a big bind up of them all yet. So I just bought all the individual volumes. Um, so the first set of Witcher books that I read was called Fading Memories and basically it's like your typical witcher there is something afoot and who is the real evil what is happening what's going on um and I really enjoyed this I think it probably wasn't my favorite in the sense that it was like really incredibly dark and didn't have any cameos from our favorite characters it was just kind of Geralt focused which I do enjoy but Like, you know how sometimes you just really want to be in your own fantasy world. And like, when you read a book, you're like, oh my God, I want to live there. Well, the continent where The Witcher is set is just horrific. And like, even as a witcher, which I probably would prefer to be a witcher or like, maybe not even a source of this because of Radovid, but I would probably want to be a witcher so that I could like defend myself but also their life is terrible (laughs) so to have a book that it's only got Geralt in it and hasn't got any of the like side characters to lend either some like familiarity or brevity to it it can get quite dark and this was like quite dark yeah it was just um so I think I still gave it five stars I still really enjoyed it but it was just yeah quite dark um quite tough to read I'd say um because it was just yeah a bit bleak really um and actually I think I gave it four stars on my goodreads um because I later read some other Witcher comics which were like so much better so um I did enjoy this I would recommend reading it if you are a Witcher fan um or if you you don't even have to be a fan of the books or the tv series you can just like have played the game and still enjoy these um and I did like the art style in this I do feel like it was quite similar to the art style in the game um I should have done a caveat where it's still really hot in the UK and the windows are still open so (laughs) 
sorry, you can probably hear the giant motorbike that just went past, which is really upsetting. But I'm afraid um, I'm recording this on a like a podcast app and it doesn't allow me to edit things very well. So um, I'm afraid you're just going to have to live with the motorbike noise. I'm very sorry. Um, also, flies just started buzzing around me as well. So this is going to be either ASMR for you and just or just incredibly annoying. Um, so I apologise in advance for that. Um, but that is the first thing that I'm going to talk about. So Witcher, fading memories, um, volumes one to four. And yeah, I, I very much enjoyed them. And next I read a little one-shot short comic as Dark Horse also writes Stranger Things comics. Lol. So I wrote a wrote i wish i wrote it i um read um it was a stranger things comic based around halloween and it was all about um like a story that they were telling and how they all got really freaked out and it was just like a really cute like i don't know like just a really nice moment between like the four boys that was just really sweet and the demogorgon wasn't there and there was nothing intense happening it was just like a snippet into their friendship although it was quite short um I really enjoyed it I just felt it was just like the four of them and they were just having their best time um and I definitely recommend reading it if you're a big fan of Stranger Things because it's not really like anything it doesn't add to the story in any way but it just like gives the boys a moment of normality where they can just be kids and it's just so wholesome and I loved it so would definitely recommend I think I gave it five stars and we're gonna move away from uh comic books for like I don't know like some some time now so I then started reading some more Darcy Coates so Darcy Coates is an author I have an interesting relationship with. So she writes horror books and I either love them or detest them. Um, Like there is no other way to describe it. I either am like blown away by her book or I'm like, oh my God, I never want to read this again. Um, So we had uh, one of the kind of first ones that I read was called The Falcroft Ghosts. And unfortunately that swayed towards the, oh my God, I never want to read it again. So basically with the Falcroft ghosts, the premise is, is that um, Tara and Kyle, who are kind of two main characters, their mother is in a horrendous car accident and she's kind of left fighting for her life in hospital. Um, They're kind of staying with a family friend and then their grandparents, so their mum's parents, who they've never met, reach out and are like, hey, why don't you come and live with us while your mum's poorly? Um, And they're like, yeah, okay. And obviously, you know, children who only have a mother um, who is in hospital, obviously, you know, wouldn't have any intervention from social services. So they just go to this random place. Um, And so they go to this house and it's quite creepy with their grandparents. And basically it's one of these things where I don't know whether I'm being just aggressively harsh on it, but it's just... It was a really quick, easy read, but there were... And, and I still enjoyed my read, but there were just so many problems with it. Like, it was... Uh, like... The, 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 there are situations where the, the, the children feel in danger. And, like, there are red flags. So many red flags. And, like, there are people in the town who know that their grandparents are a little bit odd. And there are moments where they could have reached out and been like, actually, we're scared. But they don't. And it's really annoying (laughs) because 
like they're like one of them is like a teenager like you would say something if you were a teenager like you would not be okay with some of the things that go on in that house so yeah it's just a bit frustrating in that sense so it's almost that thing where in other Darcy Coates books where like sometimes people have a really normal and relatable reaction to the paranormal where they're like nah and that would be my reaction but then in other 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 books people have reaction to like the paranormal where they're like I'm sure it'll just go away and be fine no it's not fine it's not fine you need to leave or do something particularly when people are acting batshit crazy so yeah I I did enjoy it I would still recommend like reading it as like a horror pulpy fiction it wasn't like I mean there was one of her books which I absolutely hated and I didn't hate this one but it was just a little bit frustrating and like I don't know. I didn't feel like the plot was the best either. Like it was just a nice quick read, but nothing special. So I think I gave it two stars. I wouldn't have given it one because it was still good. Um, But it wasn't my favourite. So that is that. I'm going to stop there before I spoil the whole book. But if you're a horror fan or if you like a little bit of a thriller element as well, yeah, have this as a quick read. And next I read something called Paperbacks from Hell by Grady Hendrix. So Grady Hendrix is a horror author in their own right. Um, and Paperbacks from Hell basically demonstrates the history of 70s and 80s horror fiction, but like the cover art, essentially. Um, and the 70s and 80s were a time where anything went in horror, like you could just do whatever the hell you wanted and it was okay so just imagine the introduction to the book the introduction to the book is like horny nazi leprechauns so you can like imagine like if we chose to open with that how much weirder the rest of the book gets on describing some of the horror fiction that was there um and i really loved it because it detailed some like seminal moments in horror so it discussed things like rosemary's baby or the omen or um you know, Jaws, for example, or Stephen King's works. So you have those anchors in familiarity where those uh, horror novels weren't obscure and they're still read today and referenced today because they were so seminal to the development of horror. But then you have books like The Nazi Leprechauns, which are just like I'd never heard of. Um, And I was reading through it being like, what, did they publish this? Like oh my god like killer moths like that is my nightmare um but it was just amazing to hear some of the horror that some of our seminal horror novels had inspired but also some kind of sub-genres of horror that had kind of died out like I don't think they're covered anymore um and largely because they are incredibly problematic so for example there are kind of you know um like horror novels about particular races of people that was like a whole subgenre that wasn't okay essentially um so i can understand why they're not necessarily being written still today but it's still interesting to read about what was considered horror at that moment and also what was considered culturally appropriate um, because it would not be considered so now um and also like just some of the the fears that were explored in them so there's this whole fear of suburbia and you know 
being in the city because of, of something that was going on, kind of happening in that cultural moment. But then there was also this fear of being isolated in the countryside because of another element of what was happening in that moment. So I feel that it's really interesting as a horror fan to re- read about anxieties that people then decided to play on in order to write horror, which ultimately is what horror is. It's an exploration of kind of a, a wider um like social anxiety or worry um you know and i think often horror can be a reflection of that so i think it's really interesting to read about it and kind of see it documented throughout the book um and also some of the illustrations are hilarious and wonderful and iconic and you just look at it and you're like oh my god this is amazing like this would be really great um to just view so i really enjoyed this book i gave it five out of five stars if you are a horror fan i cannot recommend this enough it is just so fantastic it's so gripping like you just want to keep reading it but also you can dip in and out of it because it's just a nice big almost coffee table style book um that just details basically my favorite genre so i definitely recommend this i gave it five out of five stars go ahead and read it for a world ride is what I'll say. (laughs) Fabulous. So now we are on to our recommendations. I think I've talked to you about books maybe enough for now. So I'm very much still playing Breath of the Wild. Um, So nothing new there. Um, But watching wise, so I on Disney Plus watched Nomadland. So basically the premise is is, um, this woman has lost her job and her livelihood and her husband unfortunately has passed away and she's ended up living in a motorhome which she's very conflicted about in the sense that I think she likes the independence of it and the freedom to a degree but she's never really happy in the motorhome like she's never really happy there um and for me like I think the the film has got a lot of criticism because it said it like glorified living in like a nomadic style of life I don't think at any point it glorified it like I do think it was like I after I watched it wasn't like oh my god I need to buy a motorhome I was like oh my god that's so rough um and you know it was just beautifully shot like the soundtrack was amazing the acting was phenomenal I think the majority of actors were actually like nomads themselves and I'm using that in like a vertical commas because I think that's what they they actually call like the group of people um but it was just like I was a mess at the end like I can't tell you how much I cried because it was just so well done and well shot that I I just felt for the character but also like there was like an element of hope at the end which I just think was wonderful and I normally have a problem with Oscar winning films because I don't feel that they live up to the hype and they often kind of I don't know I just I just always left feeling a little bit dissatisfied with them but after this one I was just like crying and I loved it and I thought it was great and I can understand why it won so many awards because it was such like a heart-wrenching but really wonderful film um so if you haven't already watched it I would really recommend watching Nomadland it is great for I guess just seeing a a different way of life but also as well just if you really need a good cry because I was destroyed at the end (laughs) so that was me (laughs) uh good times so um that is what I've watched kind of movie-wise. Um, TV-wise, I re-watched an old series that I watched called Remember Me. And it's basically got Michael Palin and 
Mark Addy in it, who played Robert Brathian. And it's all about kind of a go. Oh, and Jodie Comer, who plays um, Villanelle in Killing Eve. She's like one of the main characters. I'm so sorry, I completely forgot she was in it. Um, and it's basically a three part horror series that was played over a few Christmases ago, I think. Quite a few Christmases ago, actually. Um, and it centres around this man who has a fall in his house, but doesn't really have a fall. And basically, he moves out of his house, but something seems to be following him. And it's all about this spirit that kind of won't let him go. Um, and it's really, I really enjoyed it. I, I'd kind of forgotten about it and then was like, oh, I really want to rewatch that. And I did. Um, and I actually bought it on Amazon because it was like £1 per episode and it was great. Um, so I would definitely recommend watching that if you haven't, because it is a great little, little horror mini series and it's got some quite big names and good acting in it. So I would definitely recommend watching that. And lastly, we'll do food. Um, so um, I have done a little bit of um, baking. As I said, I've been a bit naughty, been going out and sort of living my best life, as it were, um, and not baking as much. But I last week made a lemon and poppy seed cake, which was, if I do say it to myself, absolutely out of this world. It was so nice. Um, so ingredients you're going to need is 50 grams of poppy seeds, 185 millilitres of warm water, 220 grams of caster sugar, three eggs, 300 grams of self-raising flour, 200 grams of unsalted butter, softened, softened, <laughs> I used marge for that, uh, one lemon, rind grated and juiced, I used two small lemons, 300 grams of icing sugar, and then a loaf tin. So step one, you're going to preheat your oven to 180 degrees and lightly grease your loaf pan. Then step two, you're going to combine the poppy seeds and milk in a bowl and set aside for 15 minutes. Step three, combine the caster sugar and 185 grams of the butter until life, light and fluffy. Mix in the eggs, fold in the flour gradually and alternate with the poppy seed and milk mix. Finally, stir in the lemon rind. And then what you can do is then just put it all in a mixer. But I didn't do that, so I'm not going to talk about that. So then you're going to pour it into the pan and bake in the oven for 40 minutes or until a skewer inserted into the centre comes out clean. Turn onto a wire rack to cool. I found with this recipe in my fan oven, I cooked it on 180 degrees and I would do that for half an hour. And then I lowered it to 160 degrees and had it in for another 20 minutes. So it was around 50 minutes um, and I just covered it so it didn't burn. And then whilst the cake is baking, melt the remaining butter uh, and place in a bowl with icing sugar and lemon juice. Beat with an electric beater until smooth and then drizzle over the cake. So what I did is I combined it all together with a spatula. Mine was a bit more solid than I would have liked, so I popped in a splash of milk. And it was honestly delightful, and I would very much recommend it. It lasted for ages as well. I think I had it for like a week and a half, and it was still, pardon the word, moist. Um, and really, really nice. So I would definitely recommend lemon and poppy seed loaf flash cake. And that's it for this week on Butters on Books. I hope you're all keeping very well and staying safe and enjoying the world a little bit more now it's opening up a little bit. And I will speak to you all next week. Mm -hmm.